So we have been on a series of Fruit of the Spirit, but we are going to uh, obviously take a break uh, from that and look at fatherhood a bit. But have you ever looked at something or experienced a moment and you told yourself, it shouldn't be that way? Uh, that shouldn't be. It ought to be this way. Uh, you probably look at the headlines or watch the news and you're going, no, <laughs> it shouldn't be that way. Uh, we look at life like that too as well. I know uh, in, in driving, you probably <laughs> look at that a lot. I, I see it a lot. Driving down the highway in 205 and I'm looking in my rearview mirror and I don't see any the front of the car, but I see a car behind me. <laughs> I'm going, that shouldn't be. They should go to the next lane and quit following me so very closely. That's dangerous. Uh, some things, that it, it's just that way, but it ought to be this way. Uh, I think of merging. Oh my goodness, that's that's a pet peeve of mine in driving. I, it just it seems to me that it just it helps it reflects a person's attitude and personality when they can't quite merge. We were driving up 205 and uh, going to go see uh, Tenley up in Lacey, Washington, and uh, heading 205, and I couldn't believe some of the traffic when trying to merge in. And uh, one car right behind a big old semi. I'm thinking, well. That car doesn't want me to merge there at all. And they're like, right behind us, like, oh, come on. It's merging. It ought to be a zipper, right? Going right on in, everyone providing space and all that. Okay, I'm done. Anyway, so driving, you, you can see a lot of things like that in you know, the way it is and what it ought to be. Another thing I thought of, too, there ought to be earplugs handed out at every first-year elementary band concert. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> There ought to be more hours in a day than just 24 when you need to get things done or enjoy a great day. Let there be more hours in a day. And there ought to be less than 24 hours in the day when your day is less than enjoyable. You can get on with the next one. My experience with my father, it was the way it was, but it, it, it ought to be a different way. I didn't, uh, wasn't with my father from like age 6 to 19 and those are the informative years and time to be able to develop and figure out what it is to be a, a man. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm so thankful that God provided uh, stepfathers in my life that was able to give me common sense. They didn't give me the Christian background as much, but just common sense. And I'm thankful for that, at least. But my experience with my father had to wait until after I was 19 and be able to re, be reunited with him. But, uh, you know, it, it ought to be different. It ought to be different. A teenage boy should have his father around. Now, looking at fatherhood around me, there have been times when I've seen things going on and think, it shouldn't be that way. That shouldn't be, it ought to be this way. In youth ministry, back in the day when I was a youth pastor, and seeing families, how they were dealing with their kids, and, and as their kids were going into adult, adulthood, you know, moving out of high school and college, and seeing some decisions that the parents were making, and, and you know, I was just like, oh... I can see something coming down the line here. And I'm no expert. We haven't done it perfectly, Becky and I, but we've just seen seen things and seen how things happen, how things, you know, decisions that are made and how those those decisions determine the destiny of, of that relationship. And so there's some things that we've seen in, in fatherhood all around. And, but what should fatherhood look like? What What ought to be the traits of fatherhood? Where do you find the guidance for that? Well, of course, you've got to go to God's Word. got to go to the Bible. 
It's always the best source. So the passage of Scripture we're going to look at is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Yes, that's correct. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. You saw that in the bulletin. It wasn't an error. Uh, you might not think that's probably uh, a, a portion of Scripture you'd consider for a Father's Day text, but it will be. And as uh, we unpack this, I believe you'll realize the value of this passage on this particular day. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 12. I'll read those to you, and then we'll go back and, 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 and like I said, unpack this together. In, those verse, in these verses here, Paul says, We were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her, ch- her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked, right, we worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believe. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we'll stop there with the reading. So let me suggest with you, uh, in these few verses, a portrait of, of fatherhood, basically, of fatherhood, of what fatherhood ought to be. And as you look at the, the portrait, consider with me five traits. We're going to look at five traits today of what father ought, uh, fatherhood ought to, to, to look like. And as we look at these different traits, you know, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe you might also be able to identify some of the fruit of the Spirit in these traits. And I encourage you to try to figure that one out as well, too, as we go along. So in fatherhood, a man ought to be, and here's the first trait, be able to express genuine love. Genuine love. The first trait of father would be the ability to express genuine love. Now, the fruit of the Spirit, that's pretty easy to find out right there. But notice what Paul says in verse 8. He says, we loved you so much. (laughs) We love you so much. And in the original language there, those words express an intensity of love that that gives repeatedly and repeatedly. Paul says it's hard even to find words to express how much we love you, but we really do love you. That's basically what that word in the Greek is trying to, to say. And this is an important character trait for fathers because loving and expressing love doesn't necessarily come naturally to some men. I'm convinced that it's the reason the Bible tells husbands to love their wives, because we haven't we have to learn how to love. We think we know how to love, and it might not come across as love for other people. But uh, the Bible also almost never tells wives to love their husbands, because that usually comes naturally for them. Instead, what does the Bible tell the wives? Wives are told to respect respect their husbands. Because sometimes that is hard to do. And uh, so men, most of us have to learn how to love. We have to learn how to love. This is true about the father and child relationship too. It doesn't usually come easy for us. But it's something we need to be working on. Showing love in a lot of different ways. You remember when you, 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 you brought your first child home. You remember that moment when you brought your first child home. Go, go back to that moment just for right now. Anthony and Lauren are dealing with that at this moment, <laughs> as they have Tenley, and uh, trying to 
figure things out with her. But when you brought your first child home, your wife seemed to know what to do. She seemed to know what to do. She knew the head was heavy and that the muscles had not developed in the neck to support it, so she supported it. She also knew that the soft spot on the top of the head was a place of vulnerability and you had to be really careful about it. She knew when the baby was hungry and when its diaper needed to be changed. She changed it and, and, and with skill. You didn't know when the, when the baby was hungry. Right? Like she knew when it was bath time and play time. She knew when it was sleep time. All those things. She knew all those things. But we men had to learn those things. Most, most men. I'm generalizing here. We had to learn these things. When we first held the baby, at least for many, it was probably an awkward experience. You know, it's kind of like, oh, don't want to break it. Don't want to hurt it. Don't uh, because we like to hug and we're strong and all that stuff. We need to be gentle with this little thing. Don't want to crunch it. You didn't know when the baby was hungry, maybe when the diaper needed to be changed, although you probably found out a little later when you smelled some wonderful things. And you were not very skilled at maybe changing diapers either. I remember trying to do that, and Anthony, and he was a little guy there, and trying to change his diaper, trying to figure things out. Cloth diapers. Oh, my goodness. Cloth diapers. We were blessed with that, though in the way that we, we had like a full year of uh, a service with that. But, but boy, that was tough trying to get that all together and everything else. And it was tough. But uh, we, we had to learn. We had to learn that. And all those things, all those things we had to learn. But soon we get to the place where even if we're not so good at them, we kind of enjoy them. We kind of enjoy them. We enjoy holding our children. We enjoy expressing love. We enjoy playing with them, watching them laugh, and then comforting them when they're in distress. Then what happens? They grow up, and just about the time you get good at it, it all changes. And you got to figure it out again. A couple of years ago, the cartoon strip, For Better or For Worse, a great uh, comic strip, showed Dad coming into the room where his teenage daughter was sitting on the couch watching television, munching on some popcorn. So he decided to sit down next to her and help himself to the popcorn. And uh, as he was sitting there, a little thought balloon appears over his head. He's thinking, I remember when she was so young, I held her in my arms and loved her. And it was, so, it was wonderful. Now look at her. She's all grown up and such a beautiful girl too. I wonder what she would think if I held her like I, I used to and, hold, and, and told her again that I love her. And he finally concludes that... Uh, she would be uncomfortable if he did that. And then while he's thinking those thoughts, his daughter's over here with her little thought balloon and says, I wonder why dad never hugs me anymore. So, and that might be going on in your lives today as well. It might be uncomfortable, but maybe not. Maybe we need to learn how to love. But isn't it sad that we have arrived at a time in our culture when there's so much perversion all around that stuff like that kind of halts fathers going okay I, I, I and we hesitate we hesitate all this going on all around us and and sometimes we just don't know dads don't know how to express love at times we're not sure what's proper and what's not proper it seems like the rules are changing every day our best example of fatherhood, of course, is our Father in Heaven. And the best story to exemplify genuine love is the story of the prodigal son. 
The reason this is so universal applicable is, is that virtually everybody experiences at some level what the prodigal son experienced, where we're sure we know better than our parents, right? We know better than them. They're so old-fashioned. They're back in the day. We know better. We've been to college. We know better. We have a degree. We know better. All these things. And so we, some in some form, some way, we've experienced the prodigal son at some level in our lives. And we have it all figured out. You know the story. The son goes off into a far country and squanders all his money. And when he, he runs out of money, he runs out of friends and ends up in a, in a pig pen, eating from the slop that is fed to the pigs. And this is the most humiliating place a Jewish boy could probably be, especially from a kosher perspective, in a pig pen. And as he sits there, the Bible tells us he came to himself. And he starts thinking, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. And you notice in the story how something pretty important. He felt that he, he could go back to his father. Very interesting. There must have been something there beforehand already that he knew of uh, that was established. That, but the relationship might not ever be the same, but he knew that the door was open to him any time. And how did he know that? All through the time of raising his son, that father had communicated his love. No matter how far you go, you can always come back home again. That kind of love is a, is a vital thing, vital thing to communicate to our children our grown-up children as well, too, letting them know it doesn't matter. You can come back home. You can come back home anytime. And so, so he said, I will, I will say to my father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make, make me like one of your hired men. And I believe this was a speech he probably practiced along the way as he's walking back home, trying to get it right, get it down perfectly. But before he could even blurt it out to his father, he saw him running down the road to him. And threw, and father threw his arms around him and kissed him, and he had no fear of expressing love, this father did. Had no fear of expressing love. You know, the beautiful part is that our Father in heaven always leaves the door open for us to come home again. Always. Always. And, and as dads, we need to teach our kids, no matter how deep their sin, you can always come home again. The door should always be open. And there will be a father waiting to throw his arms around you and to assure you of his abiding love. The Bible tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God, and I believe the same should be true between fathers and their children. Nothing should separate, separate you from your love of your children. So in fatherhood, a man ought to be able to show genuine love. Also, uh, they ought to live a fatherhood. A father should also live a transparent life. A transparent life. And that's the second trait. Transparent life. Paul writes in verse 8. He says, We loved you so much that we delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And notice there's a connection there between. Gospel and lives. It, it, it's, it's one thing to hear the gospel, but it's another thing to live it. Your kids can hear the gospel from you. They can hear what you know. But when you live it out before them, that's when it solidifies in their life. 
oh, this is real. Oh, dad really believes this. Yes. And living that out before them is so important. What Paul is saying is, when, when we lived among you, we not only told you the good news, we modeled it for you by how we lived. Our words matched up with our actions. So what we said and did came together, made sense. It seems to me that if you're a Christian dad, your kids ought to know the gospel by the way you live. They ought to know you will have faith. You are a Christian, you are a Jesus follower by how you live. For example, being a Christian will affect the decisions you make every day. The values, values in your home will be different from those found in, in a home without Jesus. A home without Jesus, those values are like, they value pleasure, pleasure they value power, they value prestige, they, they value possessions. All the things that matter immediately in, in the here and now. But in a Christian home, we learn that things uh, are valuable, the things that we can't see, things we can't buy, things we can't hold on to. Those are the really most precious things. We have completely different values, or at least we should. <laughs> well, what about stress? Stress in your life. Would you deal with stress differently if you were uh, a, a Christian dad than if you were not? You might be, you, you might because uh, there's, there's peace available to you that, that the world doesn't understand. A piece that passes understanding is available to us as Christians, as a Christian father. What about finances? How you budget your money? That should be different, shouldn't it? Wouldn't that be affected by how the gospel has changed your life and made you into a different person? What about humor? I have a, I think it's a three-month free subscription to Cirrus uh, Radio. It's like, cool, I'll check it out. I, I remember hearing it uh, with you, Neil. I don't know if you have that or not, but in your car, I remember pop on any kind of Grateful Dead or whatever it is, and you could find it wherever. I thought, that's amazing. <laughs> and so I'm listening to Sirius Radio, and I found some good comedians. And I thought, this is awesome. And uh, some good Christian comedians, because then I rolled through some, and I was like, whoa, 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 okay, well, moving on. <laughs> There's some stuff out there, humor, that people think are funny, and it's like, no, nah, it's not funny. That's awful. That's horrible. And you come across people who might, you know, hey, listen to this joke. This is funny. I heard this the other day. And you're standing there and you're going, that's not so funny. <laughs> As a Christian dad, we should have a different view of what humor should be like. And we should realize that, especially in front of our kids. But the humor, the joy, and the laughter, all the things we find in a, in a home should be influenced by the gospel. In some way or another. Robert Fulgham uh, became popular when he wrote a book entitled Everything I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. He wrote another book, and in this book he talks about grown children coming home again. He says that it is normal when grown kids come back home to reminisce about things they got by with or got away with when they were younger that mom and dad never found out about. <laughs> you did that, right? You, already, you probably sat down with them and said, yeah, you remember that time? And they didn't know anything. 
Uh, we hear that sometimes when our guys come home, our kids come home, and we're gathering in the living room or dining room and den or something like that, and they start talking about stories. And it's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> but this uh, author, he recalls that when his children began reminiscing, that his oldest son said, Dad, when I was 14 and you and Mom were gone for a while, I went out in the garage, got in a car, started it up, backed it out, drove it around the block several times, and then put it back in the garage, and you never knew it. Everybody laughed, and then he went on. Another time, when you and Mom went to the grocery store, we kids went out in the backyard and smoked a cigar. You came home early, and we thought for sure you had caught us, but you never knew, and we got away with it. Once again, everybody laughed, and they're having a good time. And it was a kind of bonding time for them all together, and sharing those stories. Then Fulgham told his children, you didn't know some of the things your mom and I got away with either. He said, for instance, you never knew that we took a, a cut off all the money Grandma sent you at Christmas. <laughs> you never knew that oftentimes when we told you we weren't serving leftovers, that they really were leftovers disguised in some other way. You never knew that when you called me from camp and you were so homesick, and I told you that I missed you too, that I lied. <laughs> and he went on, he said, I know who sent you the anonymous Valentine's cards, and I know who got into my wallet and took money and never said so. And there were times when I let you lie to me because the truth was too hard for either of us to hear. And there were times when I told you that I loved you when I didn't love anybody, not even myself. That's transparency. And that's hard to deal with. But I think kids need to see in their fathers not just an authority figure, the provider, but someone who is real, someone, someone whose heart has been touched and changed, who still makes mistakes, and yet has the courage to admit that he has made those mistakes. <laughs> but most importantly, learned from those mistakes. <laughs> In fatherhood, a man ought to be able to show genuine love. He, he, he ought to live a transparent life. And he ought to have an unselfish diligence. That's, that's the third trait, an unselfish diligence. Paul says in verse 9, You remember, brothers, our toil and hardship, we worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. Now, I think, I think we have a responsibility as parents to teach a good work ethic to our children. We, we need to. Do your chores. You have the things you need to do through the week. Make sure you take care of them. And oftentimes, if our kids don't see a father who is hard, a hard worker and who has a good work ethic, they'll never learn it. They might emulate, well, they'll emulate anything that you, you, you do before them. And if it's not a good work ethic, that's what you'll find probably in your kids in that way. We teach it in two ways, though, a, a good work ethic. First, we teach by example, by just doing it and letting our children see that. Here's how you do it. Here you go. Watch. Do it. There you go. And secondly, another way of teaching it is uh, having our children learn by doing it. Let me show you and then... Now you show me. We give them the opportunity to do, thing, to do those things and, and make their own mistakes and learn from their mistakes because that's a perfect place for that to happen in family. I'm reminded of the story of a little boy who was not very artistic, who was 
trying to draw a horse on a piece of paper, and his father, who was artistic, watched as he did so. And uh, the little boy was clumsy, so his father tried to help him. He started giving him advice, which really didn't help very much. And finally, the father took the piece of paper, drew a beautiful horse, and handed it back to him, saying, here, here's the way how to do it. The son turned and looked at his dad and said, but dad, I want to draw my own horse. (laughs) And every child, every child has to draw his own or her own horse. And as dads, we have to be wise enough to step back and let them do it, to make their own mistakes and learn from those mistakes. There are some dads, some parents that are still trying to draw the horse for their their adult kid. And they got to step back and let them draw it for themselves. It may not be the way you would draw it yourself, but it's the way they draw it. And if it's not something that's immoral or something theologically incorrect or heading them down the wrong road, it won't matter how they draw the horse. (laughs) As Becky and I have said many times with our kids, it's their story to write. Let them write it. (laughs) Let them write it. We can't shelter our kids from real life all the time. We need to let them make their decisions and then guide them. If the mistake can be avoided, then help them see it. But if a mistake happens, the home should be the safest place to make the mistake. That should be the the grace-filled place for the kids to make their mistake before they get out in the real world. The home should be the place of grace and mercy and and tough love. And it's not just like, let your kids get away with everything. (laughs) Oh, mistake, great, do it again. No, help them learn from that. Lovingly bring them along. In fatherhood, a man ought to be able to show genuine love, live a transparent life, have an unselfish diligence, and ought to have a genuine faith. And that's the fourth trait. Fourth trait is a genuine faith. Paul said in verse 10, you are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. And notice what he said. First of all, we preach the gospel of God to you. Secondly, you are witnesses of how we lived. We live holy, righteous, and blameless lives among you. Our behavior was influenced by, by what we believed about Jesus. God has commissioned dads to be spiritual leaders. It's just the way it is. God has ordained you guys. You are the spiritual leaders of the home. Doesn't mean that, that wives or mothers can't be, but it's just placed there that fathers are the spiritual leaders of the home. And you're the spiritual leader of your home whether you realize it or not. <laughs> it is your job. It is your role. You will either lead your family closer to God or you'll lead them further away. So as a Christian, it's your responsibility to lead them closer to God. (laughs) If you don't, you'll be leading them closer to the one who wants to destroy them, the one who prowls around like a, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. As spiritual leaders, it's it's our responsibility to show that we are genuine, that our Christianity is not just something for today on Sundays but something we are all week long. Consistency, genuine faith, living it out. So if you come to church and carry your Bible and look all pious and such, 
on Sunday, but you never open it throughout the week, never open that Bible throughout the week, your kids will know. They'll be watching you, and they'll know. If you pray here on Sunday morning, when everybody else is praying, but you never pray at home, your kids will know. If you never worship God through the week, or if you aren't a good steward of God's provision in your life, your children will learn that too. So it's absolutely essential that we be genuine. Genuine and that our, our children see that we not only worship here, but that we worship at home as well. We not only read the, the word of God here, but we read it at home. We not only pray here, but we pray every day of our lives. And they see the genuineness of our faith. In fatherhood, a man ought to be able to show genuine love, live a transparent life, have an unselfish diligence, possess a genuine faith, and finally ought to have a positive influence. A positive influence. This final trait, positive influence. Paul writes in verse 12, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. That's what a father does. What a father does. He encourages, he comforts, he urges his children to live lives worthy of God. And it's all, it's all positive. But not every dad is, is a positive influence. Listen to this boy's story. I was just 12 years old when my Boy Scout troop planned a father-son camp out. I was thrilled and could hardly wait to rush home and give my father all the information. I wanted so much to show him all I'd learned in scouting, and I was so proud when he said he'd go with me. The Friday of the campout finally came, and I had all my gear out on the porch, ready to stuff it in his car the moment he arrived. We were all to meet at the school at 5 p.m. and, and, carpool, to, and carpool to the campground, but Dad didn't get home from work until 7 p.m. I was frantic, but he explained that things had gone wrong at work and told me not to worry. We could still get up first thing in the morning and join the others. After all, we had a map. <laughs> I was disappointed, of course, but decided to make the best of it. First thing in the morning, I was up, had everything in his car, and while it was still getting light, all ready for us to catch up with my friends and their fathers at the campground, Dad had said we'd, we'd leave around 7 a.m., and I was ready a, a half hour before that, but he didn't even come out of the room until 9 a.m. When he saw me standing out front with the camping gear, he finally explained that he had had, uh, he, he had a bad back, couldn't sleep on the ground. He hoped I'd understand and that I'd be a big boy about it. But could I please get my things out of his car? Because he had several commitments he had to keep. Just about the hardest thing I've ever done was to go to that car take out my sleeping bag, cooking stove, pup tent, and supplies. And then while I was putting my stuff away in the storage shed, and he thought I couldn't see, I watched my father carry his golf clubs out and throw them in his trunk and drive away to keep his commitment. That's when I realized my dad never meant to go with me to the camp out. I didn't matter to him, but his golfing buddies mattered more. Dan Benson, in his book called Total, The Total Man, says that for every positive word that most dads say to their children, they say 10 negative ones. Interesting. And they're really good at words like 
don't, and you can't, and stop that, and no. But they're not very good at the positive words. Benson, the author of this book, suggests that we could change the whole personality of our relationship with our children if we just learn to be positive and influence things in a positive way. Instead of you can't, how about, why don't you try this? <laughs> don't, and replace that with, uh, here you go, go this way. Positive way of influencing. Charlie Shedd, an author and pastor, writes about the time he moved his family from Kansas to Oklahoma. And he said that there was a, a bale of baler twine he had saved for some reason, but that he had never used. So as they were getting ready to move, he told his son, Philip, I don't want you to mess with that baler twine. That's special. So please don't touch it. He said that must have been like saying sick him to a dog for almost every day. I found that uh, he had been playing with my baler twine. I would lecture him. I would tell him, don't play with it. But it seemed like a magnet that kept pulling him back. Then one day, I came home from work, and there was baler twine almost everywhere. It was stretched and crisscrossed all across the garage door. As I started cutting my way through just to get to the car or into the garage, I rehearsed the lecture I was going to give my son. But, uh, uh, but as I cut away, I started thinking, what am I going to do with this baler twine? <laughs> and then he realized that maybe the baler twine was not nearly that important. So, he said, that night when we sat down at the evening meal and said a prayer to thank God for the food, Philip remained with his head bowed. <laughs> I said, Philip, about that baler twine. Philip said, bowed even lower. <laughs> you could tell he was really disturbed. Then Charlie, Charlie said, uh, Charlie Shedd said this. He said, Philip, I've decided that baler twine is not worth nearly as much as you are. You're really a special son, and I love you a bunch. If you want to play with the Baylor twine, just help yourself. And, and he added, Philip, never touch that Baylor twine again. <laughs> Sometimes, fathers, we get so uptight about some things, we put those things higher in importance than our children, our relationship that we have with our children. We need to realize that the relationship is more important than anything else. You know, and that's one thing we realized as a family during COVID. We knew that it was probably a, a, a troublesome thing having family over during the times that maybe we might get COVID or it might be spread or whatever. But Becky and I determined, you know what, if, if Jameson wants to come over and living up in, in Washington there, Anthony wants to come over with Lauren or whatever. And again, this is about a year ago too. We said, you know, Relationship is much more important than trying to say, no, 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 don't come towards me. Where's your mask? Be able to accept and, and, and nurture the relationship, especially, especially during those days where a lot of tension is already happening. But fathers, we need to really look at this and, and really realize that we can have a positive influence, share a positive influence, and work at those relationships that way. So in fatherhood, a man ought to be able to show genuine love, live a transparent life, have an unselfish diligence, possess a genuine faith, and share a positive influence. With those traits in hand, I believe it's what fatherhood ought to be. I don't know about anyone else, maybe online, if you have other thoughts, and maybe in the chat, you can 
you know, share that with us. Maybe there's some other traits you have figured out that might be valuable as well. Share them in the chat. We'll take a look at them later too in the video and others can look back on that as well. But I encourage you, fathers, on this day, be reminded you are loved. <laughs> you are loved, you are valued, and you have so much influence. Let's use that influence for God and continue to influence those around us, our children, our family, our friends. Influence one another for the Lord and see how God's going to use that. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. They're going to share a couple songs. We'll close our time out together. Um, and as we do so, again, just be reminded of how your Heavenly Father loves you dearly. And let Him be the example you need to follow. <laughs>